Welcome to the podcast of the Pilates Alliance of Australasia. The PAA strives to continue promoting the expansion of the Pilates method as a professional and valued healthcare and fitness discipline. The Pilates Alliance of Australasia have a growing number of student members joining our organisation each year. They are the future of the Pilates industry and bring with them a fresh approach which is invigorating and inspiring. The PAA is dedicating a podcast series to students to share with you a snippet of some of our student members' journeys, their experiences, thoughts and views shared with our community of Pilates professionals, advocates and members. Oftentimes, it is from students, both those engaged in formal training and those that regularly attend studio settings, that professional instructors and trainers learn the most. Their ability to provoke teachers to develop their teaching practices, improve communication skills and search for answers to unknown questions are some of the gifts that students offer. I'm your host, Daniela DeFabio. In this episode, I will be joined by Kaya from the Sunshine Coast. Kaya has finished studying her integrated diploma of contemporary Pilates and teaching methodology with Tensegrity, and she has also completed her studies as a teacher trainer. Kaya, welcome to the show and thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Your story is a little different from the other students in this podcast series. You completed your Pilates diploma with Tensegrity in 2017 and a month ago completed your studies to become a teacher trainer. What led you to choose to become an educator? Working with Tracy at Tensegrity's head office for the last four years, I've had a lot of interaction with students and mentoring. The students would ask questions that I had never even considered before. So it made me want to know the course content at a deeper level than when I graduated as an instructor. You know, you think you know what you're talking about and then you realise you don't actually know it in and out, back to front. So that contributed, absolutely. The perspective as a teacher trainer is quite different to teaching students in the general public, I think. Absolutely. It's that different level. Clients don't always want to know every single little thing about an exercise or the muscles or why you would do it or anything like that. So you have the things in your head, but with students, there was that extra level. They do want to know everything. So it leads you to research deeper. I was already doing that and I thought I should probably just study to be a teacher at this point. Tracy was happy to have me, which was lovely. Congratulations. Thank you. Backtracking a little bit, what drew you to the Pilates method initially and what are some of the reasons that you decided to undertake professional Pilates training? At the time, I had been a beauty therapist for about eight years. So my body was a wreck. I spent most of my week hunched over a table and it got to the point where I couldn't even abduct my arms to shoulder level. They were starting to wear. So I went to see Tracy completely by chance and she fixed my shoulders in three months. I was flawed. May as well have been magic as far as I was concerned. I thought, wow, no, like learn more about this because I never heard of Pilates, didn't know anything about it. But from the client perspective, I was just taken, really. It was amazing. Some of our listeners might be considering becoming a teacher trainer like yourself. 
Can you explain the process of transitioning from an instructor to a teacher trainer? What does that entail and which additional certifications did you have to have in order to go down that path? To become a teacher trainer for anything, you must have the TAE 40116, which is a Cert 4 in Training and Assessment. That's the new one. They've just changed it to cater for LLM needs as well. For Tensegrity specifically, you have to observe a whole integrated diploma course being taught by one of our trainers. You have to be there, witness it, see everything, how it's done, how it's delivered, as well as having the additional qualification. The qualification itself is a rigorous program and requires you to learn this whole new language and terminology related to the government accredited training. It's like nothing I'd studied before. I'd studied trades and Pilates, that sort of thing. But this was planning, validation, RPL, learning programs, student pastoral care. There's a lot that goes into it that you learn adjacent to just the curriculum that you are teaching. The course that I went through was mostly online. Not all of them are like that. I had pre-recorded things to watch online and then completed my own workplace logbook as well, logging the hours that I did spend in the studio. And then they had lists and lists of assessment tasks and various things you have to complete. A lot of that is designing various tests, quizzes, figuring out ways to assess as well. So that's all the homework adjacent to the practical hours of the TAE, which can be anywhere from 50 to 100, I believe. What time frame are we looking at in your case? I know some people can complete it quicker if you do it in a face-to-face. I'm sure you can get through all the assessments a lot faster. I think that can take three months and then you're just left with your hours. That was the way I had structured it. But I know they do allow about a year to make sure that you have time for it all to digest. Congratulations. Do you recommend taking that path? As a teacher trainer, the biggest thing and the hardest thing sometimes is compassion for the student because it's not something that gets discussed a lot. It's not just about delivering, it's about understanding what they're going through in their own life and how that affects their learning. Being able to weave their learning in with their own personal growth and development is a big aspect. At the end of your really long day of teaching and answering emails and marking students, if a student comes to you with something that they need help with, you still need to have a little bit more to give at the end of the day to make sure that they're happy and they can go home comfortable and reassured. Burnout is quite common in many industries. As a teacher, we're demonstrating, we're doing, we're talking, perhaps we're not breathing properly. On top of that, as a teacher trainer, you're marking, you're answering questions. What are some of the coping mechanisms or self-care that you implement to make sure that you're going to do your job as best as you can? It's very difficult to manage it all. I think the best thing that I've done for myself is not to work more than six days straight. That's the first (laughs) thing. Break up your weeks. I still come to Pilates classes for myself. I come to Tracy's classes, I come to two a week and she comes to mine. So we have time to look after our own bodies. I find as a teacher, students often say to me, oh, you're quite fit and you're always keeping active and you're teaching. But as a teacher, I think we all know doing the class and teaching is very different to attending a Pilates class. 
have someone care for you and help you on your journey, you are then dedicating the time to yourself. Absolutely. It makes such a difference to have that care and attention put on you for a change. What are some of the things students could consider prior to embarking on a career path as a teacher trainer? And do you have any advice for Pilates instructors wishing to move into this field? I think the biggest transition for me was going from teaching classes, which is quite active, going to something that's mostly a desk job with student inquiries, support, marking, preparation from the training weekends. They're all factors that take up lots of time behind the scenes. The actual delivery is a small percentage of that. Luckily, I love both aspects of it. If you didn't love them both, it'll come across to the student. They have a lot of questions. You need to be able to answer them whenever they come up. You need to be ready to support them. I think it's important to remember what it was like for you as a student to keep in touch with that as much as you can, that you understand there are no silly questions. People can be confused. You're there to help them facilitate that learning and to instill confidence in them when you can see that they do know what they're being taught. Things to consider is our own active lifestyle. Make sure you're getting up and balancing teaching and teacher training. Don't just do one or the other, especially in vet. You need to be able to display competence in the area that you're teaching. If you are becoming a teacher trainer but go, oh, this sounds great, I'm going to stop teaching classes, then you're no longer current in the industry that you're teaching in. So you need to be able to balance both. You mentioned there's a lot of administrative tasks that you need to complete. So that would mean if someone's not interested in taking that on board, perhaps the teacher training is not for them. Perhaps not. I know some businesses have trainers that come in and just train for the day and leave. We don't do that at Tensegrity. All of our course providers are responsible for the students to do the marking. You're all responsible for your section. That's where it becomes an all-in-one job. But some bigger businesses, you don't have to be there for the marking and the student care. But in Pilates specifically, be ready to look after your students because it is a very involved VET course. When you think about other courses that are involved in VET, Pilates is quite a high level within the VET sector of comprehension. So they do need a lot of support for it. Aside from the people that you're collaborating with through Tensegrity, who are your mentors or the people you admire within the Pilates industry? Honestly, the Pilates industry as a whole is very admirable. I think we all come together with a love for the method and everyone has a story of how Pilates helped them in some way. As a group, we're all innovators, movement enthusiasts, and as a community, we have this unique and diverse skill set, and it really makes up this whole kaleidoscope of Pilates around the world. To me, I find there are so many aspects to it and so many different countries and practices. Keeping it local, I really admire Sue Jameson. We've worked together, not just in Tensegrity, but across the coast in various different places and she's got this real zest about her that comes through teaching her classes it comes through technique and she has this amazing attention to detail love of pilates even after doing it for many years and it's just so inspirational 
And her form is amazing. It's so much better than mine. I can't even imagine. One day I'll get to that level. That's what I think is the best thing about the Pilates method is that everyone within it is so genuinely excited and passionate about it for the most part. We tend to find a lot of inspiration in others. Definitely. Some of my mentors or people I admire have been students I studied with or students I teach. One of my math class students is very close to 70 and her form as a student is impeccable. In a nice way, I'm often quite jealous. (laughs) I think, will I get to 70 and be able to do that? I hope so. She's a student. She's someone I admire. And that's what's great about being in this industry. You can learn so much from students, from mentors and from your peers. I think the amazing thing with Pilates is how much it's changed my perception of age because like you said I've got some clients who are on the other end of 70 and their form is fabulous. Even days when it's not and things get difficult they keep showing up and they have a tenacity about them and it made me feel a lot better going into this work for the long term because you can see that Pilates, that transformative Pilates body looks different and they move different and that's so inspirational. My clients, honestly, I love them all so much. They do so many different parts of the method that you would think generally speaking would be a little bit difficult. You know, when they've been with you for a really long time and you've slowly moved them into doing these really amazing things. It's so much fun. I love teaching clients. Yeah, there's a lot of learning and a lot of gratification and teaching and you seem really passionate about it as we all are. So that's wonderful to hear. I'm sure you've learned a great deal through your many study programs. Could you share with us a Pilates discovery moment that illuminated something about either your personal practice or your role as a Pilates instructor and educator? Some of the biggest discoveries I've made relate to hypermobility in myself and in clients. I found that hypermobility with the lack of proprioception is a really challenging thing to work with. And it's really sneaky because, you know, you as the instructor have to work on the cues to figure out how to get them to do what you need from the exercise, but not in the way that everyone else does it. For instance, I have a client who was doing a spinal extension on the wonder chair and she was pushing her abdominals out and using her ribs to lever herself up instead of activating just because she couldn't feel. So she just thought, oh, I'm supposed to be lifting. And so they find another way to do it. I find it fascinating. And they've normally got pretty good humor about it because they don't know what they're doing as much as anyone else. And they're trying to work out where the limits of their body are, what's the end of their muscle and what's starting to act on a joint. The biggest discovery I've had has been how to communicate with them, speak this language. Sometimes it gets very obscure saying, look, I know I said lift, but in your case, I actually mean squeeze and lengthen or something really ridiculously specific changing how we view it being able to get them to a point where they actually start proprioceptively feeling the movement in their own body a lot of them come to me and they go I have no idea how to activate my hamstrings what's going on there and sometimes it takes a while but it's really interesting figuring it out I find that's the biggest discovery I've made I had no idea that hypermobile people were so movement blocked in that way 
I teach a lot of hypermobile people through my ballet teaching and it's often challenging in a class where you have the hypermobile student and the hypomobile student and you're trying to teach them at the same time because the cues are very different and with the hypermobility, the end range is so exaggerated. Those kinds of students, be it in Pilates or other disciplines I teach, They are understanding how to curtail an action as opposed to extend an action. And sometimes they can't feel that. Their body just goes where it goes. And that is definitely a challenge. It really makes your brain tick and hypermobility needs to be addressed because there are even older adults that are hypermobile. I think hypermobility is fascinating. I was reading about the disconnect from body and mind that happens very commonly for people on the autism spectrum and coupling that with what people have the loose laxity in the connective tissue with hypermobility when they leave their limbs behind walking through doors. How you tie that in to movement education and getting people to understand who they are, how they move. There was this thing of how hypermobility changes aspects in their brain as well. It's fascinating. Definitely. Both online learning and online classes are becoming more prevalent. What are your thoughts on online education and Pilates classes versus face-to-face interaction? And how are these incorporated into the study programs that you offer? In my TAE, it was delivered entirely online, pre-recorded lectures, tasks to complete in my own time. So I was very fortunate to have a workplace I could go to when it came time to do the practical component. If it hadn't been the case, I would have found it difficult. But luckily, I had a lot of support from everyone here at Tensegrity, so I could get their help if I had any questions. Nevertheless, in the current climate, online learning has become the new face-to-face. And I think it's our responsibility as trainers to ensure access to Pilates for clients and for students. As much as I much prefer face-to-face learning for attending and teaching, I think that we need to come up as an industry with the standards so we can really start making sure no one gets left behind or left out. We can even cover a wider range. There's an opportunity there to make sure training in Pilates gets out further than it did before, than just your local studios. There's a lot to be said for technology. It definitely does open a lot of doors. It's only going to get better, hopefully. Yes. Being a student often poses some form of personal challenge that we overcome to complete the course we've enrolled in, or in your case, all the courses you've enrolled in. Can you share with us the obstacles that you've faced whilst being a student? When I was studying Pilates, I found time management to be the hardest thing because we know it's very involved courses. I was working full time doing my grocery shopping on my lunch break in the studio, both of my days off, always first in, last out. And I was living by myself. So everything came down to me at the end of the day and it was sink or swim. So I swam as much as I could. The digesting of the knowledge is a really big thing in Pilates. In the TAE, I found it really difficult how general the actual course was. It has to be general because it covers the whole vet sector. The units that they teach don't quite match up to the units that we have at Tensegrity. 
The units we have at Tensegrity are ranked quite highly on the foundational skills needed to complete units. So something that started really simple as a task in the TAE ended up being a lot more complicated and involved based on the subject matter that I was developing for. Do you see any gaps for students in the Pilates industry that you would like to acknowledge? The main gap in the industry is that it's not regulated. Therefore, so many unaccredited training options exist and they do not serve the needs of students. Studying to be a trainer may be really aware of the skills needed to teach and for what the students need to achieve to meet the benchmarks that are defined by the course and the amount of unaccredited training going on in the industry is rising and putting people at risk in the name of Pilates. So it's something to keep in mind. We have a lot of people come to us for RPL and it's hard to tell people again and again that I'm sorry that what you've brought us isn't actually worth much really at all. And doesn't matter how much they've paid for it or how much time they've put into it. But the fact that the industry isn't regulated really opens the door to us not being taken seriously as an industry as well. And the specific gaps are more so that adequate mentoring for students, having access to people they can trust to advise them on things even once they've completed the training. And understanding the history and the philosophy of Pilates, knowing the principles helps us to teach the way that was intended, making sure the core practice remains untainted. Things like hot Pilates and whatever else come to mind. Yes, I think a lot of Pilates, if you take the principles away from it, in my opinion, it really isn't Pilates. Trying to regulate the industry is a whole other topic. Kaya, thank you for having taken the time to be part of the PAA Student Podcast Series. It's been a pleasure to have spoken with you today. On behalf of the PAA, I wish you all the best with this slightly new take on your current career path and your journey as an educator. Thank you for having me. It's been a treat in my day, absolutely. Thank you, Kaya. There is a membership category for every Pilates enthusiast, where the Alliance provides a wide range of information, resources and support for everything you want to know more of with Pilates. Help us expand the message of the PAA by sharing with your network of friends and colleagues today so that the Pilates community can continue to be a vibrant and inspiring network for everyone's benefit. You can become a member today by visiting the links in the show notes. For existing members, join us on the PAA Member Forum Facebook page where you'll find an ongoing supply of resources and conversations to continue supporting you and your participation and involvement in the many levels of Pilates here in Australia. The Pilates Alliance Australasia only exists because of the contributions of the Pilates community. If there's a topic or a conversation you would love to share on the podcast, then we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Pilates Alliance podcast. Please leave your comments on the Pilates Alliance Members Forum Facebook page. Remember, for anyone who is yet to become a member, we'd love to have you put your voice forward for the benefit of progressing Pilates here in Australia.